Hey, welcome back, everyone. My name is Meshack Canyon, and I'm here with Tyler Fry. And this is the Modern Magi Podcast. On today's podcast, we're going to be talking about supernatural realities or spiritual reality or spirituality or anything connected with that term because uh, it's such an important conversation to have in the midst of of a day when um, interest in all things spiritual is on the rise. So we're going to be talking about how God shapes and impacts and informs uh, our understanding of the supernatural realities. So Tyler, to get this conversation kicked off, you recently read a book by Charles H. Kraft called Christianity with Power, and the subtitle is Your Worldview and Your Experience of the Supernatural. So why don't you just get us started by uh, sharing with our listeners um, some of your thoughts and how this book impacted you. Right. So this book was given to me by Meshach um, pretty much at the beginning of my internship with Friendship this summer. I was preaching a sermon, I believe it was on the Gerasene demoniac or something like that. And Misha, I said something in the middle of my sermon, like, I doubt any of us have ever seen a miracle or um, I wouldn't be shocked if none of us have. And following that week, Meshach asked me, have you, like, do you believe miracles still take place? And I was like, I mean, yeah, but I've never experienced nor have I ever reached out my hand and a miracle has flowed through me. And so he recommended for me to read this book. And this book honestly changed my perspective on the world itself because Christianity with power, what Kraft does is that he paints this picture. He talks about the very beginning of the book is probably what like sealed me in to read it. Um, he talks about little R reality and big R reality. Um, little R reality is this idea of the reality that we just see on a daily basis, you know. But big R reality is this idea that there's so much more in the sphere of existence. So that's why I read the book. And the impact on me um, was profound because he says that our understanding of our own reality shapes what we believe what God can do, and it shapes how the world operates. Right. Right. So another way of saying it, I guess, would be um, there's naturalism, which is little r reality. And then there's supernatural, which is big r reality. That's right. And it's the, the idea that many naturalists, which um, a lot of atheists, well, all atheists would fall into the category of naturalists. But many people that live today, whether they're atheists or not, live according to an understanding that the physical observable universe is all that there is and there's nothing apart from that and that kind of guides the way they live their lives i think it's a uh, parker palmer called that functional atheism mm. living according to what you can see um then big r reality is of course the the supernatural it's the idea that there is an invisible and unseen power from which the physical universe and all that we can observe and feel and touch and smell uh, emerges. Uh, and that's what the book is, is uh, trying to highlight is that as Christians, as people of God, we actually, whether we believe in it or not, we actually live in a world that does have the little R reality, but that world is governed by the big R, that's the right. supernatural uh, reality. That's right. So... So I, my life was governed. I am a Christian. I have been a Christian since, you know, my sophomore, junior year of high school. 
but my life has been drastically governed by the things that I can see. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, there's this talk within academia of this historical Jesus in which we try to find what Jesus looks like and, um, you know, what he actually did when he was alive um, in accordance with history. Mm -hmm. Um, And I have found myself following in that same basic um, thought process. I remember when I was an undergrad, I had to search for reasons why to believe that Christ existed. But what this story tells us, or not the story, this book tells us, you know, there's a different way of coming to that understanding. What this book also sets out to do, Kraft gives like real life examples. He's It's basically like a long testimony, so to speak. He talks about a healing class that he took at Fuller Theological Seminary, or is that where he taught? Uh, yeah, it was at Fuller with, uh, what's the guy's name? Uh, the guy, he wrote Power Evangelism. I'll think about his name later on, but go ahead. Yeah, so he took that and he just started, he he himself was like afraid of what people were going to think of him taking in this class. He was like, are people going to think I'm some weird Christian? Like, I'm not a part of this charismatic movement where God just like does these type of things. Um, but as soon as he started taking that class, he started things starting to unfold. Um, he talked about how he witnessed like somebody's back being healed from needing to wear a back brace. He talked about the moment when they realized that God was in the room. Um, They even exercised somebody in the middle of class, I think, one time. Yep, yep. You just mentioned a phrase where he said he didn't want people to think he was a weird Christian. That's right. That, That, to me, is the big problem, is that little r reality or naturalistic Christianity or functional atheistic Christianity is the predominant Christianity. It's the normal Christianity. But Christianity with power that is lived with the idea that an invisible God that governs the universe is in control is viewed as weird Christianity. That's right. That is a big problem for the church today, right? That is a super big problem. Because in the New Testament, you you don't see functional atheism anywhere. In fact, atheism in the New Testament was as strange even more strange today than belief in a supernatural God is. Uh, There weren't any atheists back then. Uh, And that's just because most people, if they didn't believe in the God and Father of Jesus Christ, they believed in an idol that they have perched on their patio or something like that. But today, uh, the emergence of atheism has really infiltrated uh, the thinking of the church, so much so that we live, breathe, and act as if we, uh, with our physical capacities and resources are the end-all be-all and it it points to a really big problem because if we are the end-all be-all then what does faith in christ mean right what does faith in god mean that's a really really big point can you repeat that last phrase um leading up to if christ is not the end-all be-all what does that mean like what what What, more yeah what does faith in christ mean if we are the end-all be-all so What ends up happening is we, and by we I'm talking about Christians, we end up believing in Christ, Mm -hmm. right? Giving mental assent, but we trust ourselves. And what Mm -hmm. matters the most isn't what you believe uh, in terms of, you know, do you believe that aliens exist? Do you believe uh, that the Lakers will win the championship? Uh, That sort of thing. It's not like the mental assent that matters the most, but what you trust really reveals your belief. So... Whereas many Christians can profess the Apostles' Creed and say, yes, I believe that, 
their real belief is revealed through what they do. So a Christianity filled with people who believe in God and believe in Jesus and believe in the Holy Spirit, but trust themselves, that really reveals a Christianity that is rooted and steeped in little r reality mm. or naturalism or functional atheism. And we need to, how can I phrase it properly? But to uncover, uh, as Charles Taylor says, that we live in a world that's enchanted. That's what really needs to happen. To discover that you live in a world that's enchanted opens you up to the idea that there's something, there's something much more than what we are experiencing uh, that's governing everything, that's, that's kind of shaping the way life ebbs and flows. Right, and that's a, that's a really large point that he makes in the book for like the majority of it. Um, he talks about um, the idea, the reason why Christianity does not function with power anymore is because of the fact that we put our own trust in ourselves and our own abilities to do so. But rather, it's in the, in the Bible, it's just blatantly clear, absolutely clear. God is the one who acts, and God is the one who will bring about change. That's right. He f- works through us. Yeah. This morning I was reading about uh, the occasion when the Ark of the Covenant was taken from uh, Israel and taken into Philistine territory. And the Philistines took the Ark of the Covenant into one of their temples where the idol of Dagon was. And in this space, the Ark of the Covenant is there overnight when the Philistines came back in, uh, the idol of Dagon was laying in front of the Ark of the Covenant. And so they put it back on its feet. The next day, uh, when they came back in the morning, not only was the idol of Dagon laying prostrate, but the arms and the legs were cut off. That's really, that's highlighting something that's Mm -hmm. important for this conversation. The idol of Dagon is uh, is a kind of lesser reality. But the big power, the the supernatural reality, the reality from which all other realities uh, emerge is showing these people through this uh, forced prostration that there is a power that's greater than the power that you know. And you better have something to do with that power than these lesser powers. In our days, unlike their days, we don't give any credence to the idea that there could be a supernatural reality. Right. Um, and so what we're governed by primarily is our own thoughts, our own, uh, the things that we can observe, empirical data uh, and things like that. And so it ends up leaving us completely detached from any experience of a supernatural power that could be acting upon us. Even though God is always acting, we don't get to experience God's action as an action coming from God because we find ways to explain it as something something else. And then we don't get to experience the direct action of of God upon our lives because the very nature of God uh, in general is to not force his way into people's lives. But if someone's life is open to the reality of God, then God will move in and impact that person. And and we see stories like that in the Bible where, um, for example, the woman with the issue of blood, she's in the crowd with Jesus and so many other people. She touches Jesus and she receives power and she's healed. Nobody else receives anything. That's because she opened herself to the idea that Jesus was a supernatural power that could do something in her life. Meanwhile, all the other people that are touching Jesus on that day, nothing happened to them. 
that's the time we live in right now. It's the, it's the difference between those who live in big R reality and those who live in little R reality. That's right. And it's crazy to think um, that we live in a society where no one gives credence to this idea that there's this um, benevolent God who functions. Mm-hmm. Like we believe in so much stuff. We believe, when I say we, I mean society in general. Because um, I do not believe in astrology, but people do. People think that is something that governs their reality. Mm-hmm. Uh, it is much more attainable to understand that God does work when we're open to him. Because I remember after reading this book, you know, I I often pray, this might sound bad, but I hope the viewers and you might know what I mean when I say this, pray half-heartedly. Mm-hmm. I always think God's not going to be answering my prayers because he hasn't done it before. Mm-hmm. Um but this book talks about giving your full, giving full faith, having full faith in Jesus Christ. And, you know, I, I struggle with a few different things. And on one particular night, I was struggling with anxiety. And, and it was just like a physical toll on my body. My heart was racing, all sorts of things. And I remember praying. I was like, I said, God, just, you know, I'm my words are feeble they're weak lord but just hear this i put trust in you i believe that you will relieve me of this anxiety and in that very moment i felt a change yeah all every hair on my body stood up i felt at peace i went to bed um and then a few weeks later um or not even a few weeks a few days later i went to a wedding in mississippi and usually i don't i'm not the best at small talk but things started to happen after i prayed that i started having um i had a two hour long conversation with a pastor named pork chop in starbucks Mm -hmm. i was able to talk to people at the wedding Mm -hmm. um which i normally wouldn't have the power to do because that's kind of a big thing for me to do right right Um, yeah but it, it points to the idea that um by you even asking god to do that that suggests that you thought God could do it. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I, we always have to throw in, of course, does, does it mean you don't go to hospitals? Does it mean you don't do that? No, of course you do all those things. Those are also gifts from God. Uh, but to remember the order that it's God that gave the gift of those things as well. So it still emerges from God. In fact, that's all that spiritual reality is. Spiritual reality is the understanding that everything that exists, everything that we see, It came from an invisible place. The chairs that we're sitting on right now came from an invisible place. They were an idea in someone's mind. That's what spiritual reality is. It's the understanding that there is an invisible power. Like right now, we literally exist only as we exist in the mind of God. If God were to stop thinking about us, we would not exist anymore. That is a proper understanding of spiritual reality. So then to see all of our problems, whether it's anxiety or physical uh, wellness or economic or whatever it is, or demon possession, to see all of those things as something that God can act upon us and deal with, that is a proper understanding. At least it's the beginning of a proper understanding of spiritual uh, reality and how it works, because If I were to think that I must turn to myself and myself alone, then I've completely cut off a God that created all things and can impact all things, uh, as it says in Hebrews, by the word of his power, by just speaking. 
Um, and so it's important for us to to constantly um, make sure that our hearts are getting recalibrated towards the God that is invisible, but acts upon all things that are visible. That's right. That's right. Um, that that statement kind of shows the change that we must face. Mm-hmm. Um, so let me ask this. Why, why do you think that at the very beginning I said that there is an increase in spirituality? Why do you think that's the case? I'm always confused by the case of increase of spirituality. What do you mean by spiritu- spirituality? There's Spirituality is something that promises an identity and it promises power, right? So some examples of, of current dominating spiritualities uh, are things that many people wouldn't even call a spirituality. Uh, it does include things like uh, the Wiccans um, uh, and Christianity is a kind of spirituality, but also uh, Republican ideology is a spirituality. White supremacy is a spirituality. The Proud Boys, that's a kind of spirituality. Uh, Democratic ide- ideology is a spirituality. Um, LGBTQ movement, um, Black Lives Matter, these people wouldn't say, oh, those are spiritual groups. But since those groups are founded on uh, ideas that deal with who I am, what is my identity, and since those ideas promise a kind of power to the person, they're inherently spiritual. And in our days, uh, with the emergence of things like identity politics, there's been an explosion of different groups that you can be a part of that are... um, uh, ideological and hence spiritual. So why do you think the, uh, there's that emergence of of so many different uh, spiritualities and on an individual basis, an interest in becoming a member of these groups? You know, I, I understand your question now. I, you know, spiritualities just mean so much to different people, but that's, that's an important distinction to make. I think the reason why there's a growth in spirituality is because people want to be a part of something that's bigger than themselves. Mm -hmm. You know, it's not going to be enough for me just to be, if I wasn't a Christian, just Tyler Fry. I would want some sort of identity marker. I would want to be known by some sort of power that's above my own power. Because by myself, I have no power. Yeah, people want transcendence. People do want transcendence. So that's that's why I think there's there's so much growth in spirituality right now. Um, It means entering into a community it means gaining power like you said and it means doing something that you would not be able to do by yourself right that really highlights for me why the church needs to reconnect with a proper spirituality because if spirituality offers identity and power what greater identity is there than children of god son of god daughter of god what greater power is there than the power of God? But it really, in an, in an age where interest in other spiritualities is spiking, it really points to the fact that Christian spirituality is not offering what it's supposed to offer to the world. That's right. What Jesus offered to the world. When Jesus said to his disciples, um, greater things you will do than I did, He's talking about what happens as they enter fully into a Christian spirituality, right? So he's he's offering them identity. He's offering them power. And the question is, what is the identity that the, the church nowadays is offering? And what's the power the church nowadays is offering? Because many people in church would probably, I think it's safe to say, would probably 
identify more fully with other things than with Christianity. For look at the political divide, yes. for example. More people are Republicans or Democrats first and then Christians second because that shapes them and it gives them a kind of power more than they believe their identity as a, uh, um, well, now it's not even Lutheran or Methodist or Episcopalian, but now it's just kind of a, a broad group um, under the umbrella of Christian, you know? And it, it really does highlight, that's where the, the, the issue has changed, where people identify more fully in these other spiritualities because they don't feel like the Christian spirituality is really doing much for them. Right. Right, and I think that points to, more than anything, it doesn't point to who God is. It points to how Christians are exercising their power. We rage against everyone else who does not think the same of us, as us. Who wants to join a spirituality that will put their neighbors down, that will make them um, basically be cast out from every other thing that they know? Because being a Christian means you challenge, in some sort of way, everybody's worldview. So the idea of becoming getting identity from it means you're going to lose identity in a bunch of different things. Yeah, well, yeah, your your identity as a this as a this as a this a father, husband, sister, brother, Republican, Democrat, whatever the case may be, is completely absorbed when you become a son or daughter of God, and that new identity impacts how you are in all those other lesser identities that's right? right that's what a christian spirituality does it completely overwhelms all of your other connections uh and it does so in a way that now everything that you are uh exists only in relation to the power which is god and that's really why we need to rediscover the fact that as i mentioned charles taylor's book earlier the fact that the world is enchanted I mean, just to think the thought, the world is enchanted, that seems foolish to a lot of people, you know? To think the thought that there are invisible realities governing the way things happen. But without thinking that thought, we're left to think that uh, all the bad things that are happening are simply because some people are opposed to us, you know? But when, when God looks at the earth, God not only sees that bad things are happening, but he sees the uh, principalities and powers that are acting upon the world to bring about those bad things, right? And so for us Christians to have a proper spirituality, it would mean that we see those things as well. And it would require me to respond in ways that um, are not only based off of what I can see, but they're based off of things that perhaps I cannot see. That's right. I really, I really, I really enjoyed what you said because really— Living in the big R reality is the ability to tap into God's character. And God's character, you know, Exodus chapter 34, verse 6. What um, it said of God is that he's compassionate and he's slow to anger, um, abounding in love to generation to generation. Like, the God who acts like that sees everything that is going around us. And because of that, he understands our struggles and he wants to help give mercy according to those struggles. And if a world, if a world was able to tap into that, Mm -hmm. like you said, you know, so many wars are started probably because of misunderstanding. If we were able to understand, okay, so these people are struggling, this nation is struggling because um, 
I can't think of any reason why. Well, there, there are supernatural forces yes. at work that are acting upon us and acting upon others that are causing us to be at enmity with one another. But the God of the universe is calling us to be at peace with one another. Therefore, we can have something to do with that God. And instead of giving in to the forces, the principalities and powers, the spiritual wickednesses in high places, we can surrender to the God of peace and allow him to govern. That's actually how the world will be saved, right? It's it will be. The complete overthrow of the, uh, the forces of darkness that we can't see. And when they're gone, all that will be left is Jesus Christ and his kingdom, right? And then we'll learn to live in accordance with that reality. But it's, as you said, it's possible to begin doing that now. There's no need to wait if you can start leaning into it and living from that reality now. That's the invitation of discipleship, right? That's right. That's right. Um, like, I like to think of, we all currently have shaders on. Um, we are seeing the world based on little reality, and um, we are seeing it based off of, um, we don't, we're unaware of the power and principalities reigning over us. Those are the shaders. But when God invades our lives, when God intercedes, he takes those shaders off and we're able to see how the world truly is mm -hmm. um, and everything, how he's created to be as well. That's right. And that's, that's what, that's actually what apocalyptic reading is. Like in a lot of people think revelation is a story about the future, right? And there may be some of it there, but apocalyptic reading is, is really an unveiling. So it's, it's opening the blinds so you can see what's really outside and not just kind of the, the fuzzy image that you see when the blinds are closed. But in Revelation, when it points, when it talks about the monsters and all these things, uh, it's letting you know that behind Rome is not just uh, a Caesar, but there's a monster there. Yeah. There's an unseen, invisible reality there. It's not just the Caesar that's, that's doing these bad things, but there's a dragon that's acting upon Caesar you know what I mean? Yes. And so as Christians, we're called to live that kind of apocalyptic lifestyle uh, whereby we we see into the unseen world and we see how it's acting upon those around us. But since we also live from an invisible reality that is good, then we can bring that goodness to bear on others who think who are still in the darkness but cannot see. And that's that's really the hope that the the world or the church gives to the world. That's what Jesus meant when he says you are the light of the world because you guys since you are the light You can see and you can bring that light to other people um, so I want to transition to talk about how to begin living uh, From that spiritual reality living as if the unseen reality of God were true Since you just finished reading the book a few weeks ago. What are some ways or some things that you started doing to practice living according to um, big R reality? I I start whenever I'm feeling some sort of uneasiness, you know, just about anything. Um, I remember that God is with me. Mm -hmm. And even though it may seem like all these other powers and principalities reign, God really does reign and he has already overcome the world. Um, this past Sunday, um, I was preaching and I got lost. Um, and the reason why I chuckled, because in that moment, I thought God's presence is with me, regardless if I mess up, 
Mm-hmm. And this is a gift that I'm able to preach it, mm-hmm. preach his word. And I was able to just keep on going. Yeah. I don't know if that's an example of what you're looking for, man, but. Well, I mean, I wasn't looking for anything. I was just <laughs> seeing what you're going to say. I mean, I think it's important to not just, um, it's important to not just read things about, uh, but like, like Mark Twain once said, the man who grabs a cat by the tail learns something you can learn in no other way. And when we are studying things like supernatural reality, it's important to grab them by the tail and studying them so that we can experience. And that's the key word experience. Is it really true that there is a supernatural reality behind the physical reality? The only way to know if that's really true is by experiencing that reality. Um, And so some of the things that you did, uh, even just the first step is probably the most important one that you said, expecting God to be there. That's to me, that's really all you need to do to enter into a different realm is to expect God to be with you. And I do that at at times too. It's, it's one of my ongoing um, disciplines in, in difficult moments or when facing temptation is to call upon God and expect God to give me the power to overcome. And sometimes that's enough to immediately shift my mind from one thing onto something else completely. And it's just the reality of God. And that's a great, that's a great example. So let's flesh that out real quick. Someone's experiencing temptation to do something that they shouldn't do. Mm -hmm. That temptation is a spiritual reality, right? right? It's not physical because you can't see uh, a temptation. Now, of course, you may say chocolate cake may be tempting somebody, but that's just chocolate cake. Right. The cake in and of itself is not a temptation. The temptation is what your mind does when it sees the cake. It makes a suggestion. Eat all of it. That's the temptation. Now, that is spiritual because you can't hold on to that idea or that thought. You can't if you were to lay it out on a table, you couldn't see it, feel it, smell it, or, or, or anything like that. So since it's spiritual, the only way to truly combat it is by a spiritual uh, thing, right? That's right. And so to call upon God and expect God to come in and help you overcome that temptation, that's what it looks like to live according to the spiritual reality, that's right? right? And not try to fight what is f- spiritual with what is fleshly. Um, And so just to expect God is really important. Some other things that I began doing a few years ago, and just, you know, full disclosure, I, being born in Nigeria and raised uh, by parents who were steeped in, in what I would understand as an Orthodox uh, Christian spirituality, it was always normal for me to hear about people uh, having someone pray for them because they're sick and being healed. I've witnessed uh, this myself on several occasions where someone was sick, someone prayed, and all of a sudden uh, they testified that they were made well. So this was normal to me, but it wasn't always practiced by me, right? But when I began practicing it, some of the things that I uh, began doing and I still do now uh, is I'll walk around my house and especially sometimes I'll realize this after I've had a, a particularly frustrating Uh, experience and I don't know what's going on. Why are my kids, why are we all just out of sync? Then I'll remember like, okay, maybe there is something acting upon us. And so as part of my prayer, I'll walk around the house 
And this may sound weird to the listener, but I will cast out any uh, principality or power or spiritual force of wickedness that may be trying to sow confusion uh, into my household, right? And then I'll, then I'll invite the Spirit of God uh, and the angels of God to come and dwell in that space and just kind of act upon us. And, you know, I'm not going to say with 100% accuracy that it works, but more often than not, at a high percentage rate, I always sense that a change has taken place. And immediately thereafter, I'll always experience some sort of reconciliation or harmony returning. And so those are some of the ways that I practice living in accordance to the uh, to real to big R reality mm. uh, rather than little R reality is just remembering the confusion may be it may be, you know, maybe we just don't we're not understanding with one another. We're not vibing. But when it's ongoing, maybe maybe someone's trying to sow confusion. And if that's the case, then I can't fight that with uh, physical resources. I have to fight it with spiritual resources, right? That's right. I really like I really like that um, example because I remember earlier this summer after reading this book, this might sound crazy, but I felt like some sort of, I don't want to say evil, but just a heavy, heavy negative presence like just in my room at night. And I remember praying. It was like almost like a s- spirit of fear washed over me. And I remember praying um, to the Holy Spirit. I'm like, you don't give us a spirit of fear. The spirit's not from you. Um, come in this place and bring forth peace. And in that moment, something strange happened. Peace, peace happened. Right. Yep. And see, that should be normal for us. It should be. There's a story of Corey Ten Boom, who's an amazing uh, woman, amazing witness for Jesus. She was teaching a conference and for, I think it was a three-day conference, day one she preached and she just sensed like there was what she called a a spirit of heaviness. It was dull in there. No one was responding to what she said. Day two, she preached the same thing. Between day two and day three, as she's praying and asking God, like, what is going on? It just just feels so dead in here. She sensed God uh, telling her, to command the spirit of dullness to leave, the spirit of heaviness to leave. And she'd never done this before. You know, she she believed in supernatural realities, but she never practiced uh, what the Bible and what many Pentecostals might call uh, walking in her spiritual authority. Mm. And so she stood up there in all of her nerves and she said something along the lines of, uh, in the name of Jesus Christ, I command you, a spirit of wickedness, spirit of dullness, spirit of heaviness. And, you know, as she's saying this, of course, she gains courage to go. That third service, the response was more than anything she could have ever imagined. Now, that points to the idea that it wasn't just like her preaching was bad on day one and day two, but there was something in the space that was causing the word to not be received by the people. And it wasn't until that thing could would leave that the people could receive the word. Now, I'm sure that there may be a few listeners who hear this stuff, and it sounds like um like Harry Potter, the world of muggles and the world of wizards, right? But the fact of the matter is, this is the world we live in. The world we live in is a world that's enchanted. We ourselves are spiritual beings. You know, we're spiritual beings having a human experience. We are not uh, fleshly creatures. 
but we're spiritual creatures. We have souls and we're encompassed by these physical bodies. And so the natural ecology of our life is the spiritual reality. And it's from there that we must learn to live and move and have our being because realistically, that's where we're most comfortable is when we're living according to the spiritual reality. As Paul says, uh, we're not supposed to be governed by the flesh, but we're supposed to be governed by the spirit because that's just, that's where we're at home, you know? That's right. If you're listening and you do not know how to live in accordance with the spiritual reality, or you don't even believe in a spiritual reality, I would invite you to just, number one, read the New Testament and ask yourself the question, what's the reality that they live in? What's the reality that Jesus lived in? And then begin acting as if there were a supernatural reality and bringing God into moments uh, where you don't know what's going on or maybe where you do know what's going on and begin just trying to practice expecting God to show up and then watch to see what happens. Because more often than not, man, when you call God into a moment, God will come and God will do something. But we have to pay attention so that we can see what's happening and attribute it to God. And the more that happens, the more we get practice living in the spiritual reality, the more comfortable we are there rather than the physical reality. You know what I mean? Uh, that's, that's why for Jesus, it was so easy. You know, when Jesus healed people, this, this is a beef that I have with uh, shows like The Chosen and The Passion of the Christ and stuff like that. Great movies. I love the fact that it's another way for people to, to see the gospel. But I hate the fact that when Jesus is casting out a demon or healing the sick, he always exerts a bunch of physical energy, right? That, what they're doing is thinking that it's hard, you know what I mean? But the physical body has nothing to do with those spiritual uh, engagements. So for Jesus, it was easy, right? Because he lived fully in the spiritual reality. And so to do something like bring about healing, all he would have to do is speak a word because, and, and the way healing works is since our physical bodies are governed by spiritual realities, if Jesus were to tell eyes that couldn't see to open up, those physical eyes that are governed by spiritual realities would have to open up. That's the way it works. And this wouldn't be something that Jesus would exert a lot of energy for, but he would just you just say be open. It's That's like right. like that Luther hymn, uh, or he says at the end of history, um, uh, that one little word will fail Satan. One little word, you know yes. what I mean? That's so. If you're listening, and you think that what we're talking about is strange, first of all, I'd like to say to you that you're cutting yourself off from true reality, and second of all, I'd invite you to begin acting as if. Uh, the God and Father of the Lord Jesus Christ, the invisible God, uh, was still acting in our physical universe, um, even though he is spiritual. Look to him, invite him into your moments, and then pay attention to see what happens. That's right. I think um, the advancement of the church is the sign of another reality. What do you mean? There is no way that the church could exist without God. That's right. Because with the power of the resurrection, there is no way without the power of the resurrection, that is, there is no way that a group of 12 friends who watched their best friend die would be able to advance and make the church. Right. They were truly living. That's why Jesus said to him, right, in the upper room, 
weight and you're going to receive power, right? The power they received wasn't, um, you know, no one showed up with a new bank account with a lot of money in it and said, now you have the, the physical resources to do whatever you want. But the power they received was an invisible reality that invaded their life. And now they had the power that Jesus had to do the things that Jesus did. And so just like you preached on a few weeks ago, Peter and John are headed to pray. A man is sitting there. He needs uh, healing, but he asked for silver and gold. Peter's like, I don't have silver and gold, but I have this in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, which is the spiritual reality, rise up, which is a physical response, and walk. Mm -hmm. He brought the spiritual reality into this man's physical body, and his body changed to be in accordance with what was spiritual, and the man walked. That stuff is unbelievable in our days, but it's absolutely possible. That's right. We just need to tap into it. Think of the 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 um the wall sockets that we plug things into. Those things are flowing with power all the time. That's why when someone has kids, they cover them. That's right. Because you don't want your kids sticking a fork in there and getting electrocuted. You know what I mean? That's what it's that's the world we live in. We live in a world that's that's coursing with spiritual power. But if we don't tap into it, my phone will never get charged because I have a charger that's just laying disconnected. And it's the same with our lives. Our lives will never be charged and our lives will never become truly lively until we plug into the power. Not all these other false powers, but true power. Not, not, not the Republicans, not the Democrats, not the, all the other governing ideologies but the true power that invaded the world in Jesus Christ and took a hold of these, the lives of these early disciples and transformed the world so much so that today there are churches on every corner. If we tap into that power, that's when we'll begin to experience the reality of God that God, the reality that God has for us. That's right. That's right, man. And just because God will not, you know, there's, there's craft in his book talks about how he would, oftentimes pray and nothing would happen. Mm -hmm. I think it's important to realize even though things won't happen, that does not mean that God is not acting through those events. Right. You know, I, I heard from, uh, uh, I, I went to a seminar and one of the preachers talked about how many people are afraid to even try to live in accordance with the, with big R reality, supernatural reality because of the fear that nothing will happen. But he highlights that in the universe, there's a law of, you know, you, you have to practice things, right? And it would be foolish for a person to sit down at a piano and then get frustrated because they can't play uh, one of Bach's specialized pieces. But the way to approach it is by beginning where you are and starting small, right? That's why I think what you said about inviting God into uh, your moments, that's a great starting point. You have to invite God into your small moments before you invite him into your large moments. And the same is true with living according to uh, spiritual realities. So let's take prayer for healing, which many Christians believe is impossible. Many of my favorite uh, Christian preachers believe that the that New Testament healing is only present in the fact that God has given us hospitals and things like that. I believe that's all true. But I think that 
it's still possible. It's still possible to bring about healing in the same way that Jesus brought about healing. So how would you begin practicing that sort of thing? Well, when you pray, you would remember that Jesus said, what things soever you desire when you pray, believe that you receive them and you shall have them. And when you're praying for someone to be healed, you ask Jesus to be there with you. You ask Jesus to heal them. You watch and see what happens. If nothing happens, you don't give up, but you keep on doing it. You keep on praying. You keep on asking. You keep on expecting. And if you keep on on that continuum, Eventually, you'll begin experiencing the reality of God acting with you in deeper and deeper and more realistic ways. But what happens for many people is that they pray once, nothing happened, they give up. Mm -hmm. And if if we took that approach to life and all other things, we'd never get a we'd never have a Kobe Bryant. We'd never have a, a professional musician. We'd never have an attorney that's skilled at her work. We'd never have doctors that can perform um, complicated surgery, but it's by continuing to learn to live in accordance with this new reality that we become at home in that new reality. That's why the apostle Paul eventually was walking around doing things just like Jesus did because he became the kind of person that was at home in this reality. And that's exactly who God has called us to be. People who are at home in big R supernatural reality. Um, so I know this is probably a strange one for many people who are listening, you know, and it's it's cool. I hope it is strange for you, but I hope in its strangeness you would uh, perhaps um, challenge us maybe by adding a comment to the page uh, or maybe you would lean in and try it out for yourself and just pay attention to see if God is going to um, react to your action to see if the reality of God is real. It is possible for someone who does not believe in this to experience it. Mm-hmm. Change is possible with God. Mm-hmm. God can make a way out of no way. And part of that is praying to him, asking him to do things that we can't do by ourselves. That's the story of so many people who turned into great men and women for God. The one that comes from to mind is the story of uh, Sadhu Sundar Singh. Mm. Have you heard of him? I've not. Sadhu, uh, which is the word for a holy man, he was a Sikh. And um, he was praying one evening, um, God, reveal yourself to me or I'm going to kill myself. Mm. He was truly at the end of his rope. And he said as he was praying that, at first nothing happened and then he prayed it again and when it got really dark outside, all of a sudden, a brilliant figure wow. came into his room and revealed him, uh, himself as Jesus Christ. And from that moment on, Sadhu shifted from living according to the flesh to living according to the spirit and went on in the power of the spirit to do wonderful things for the kingdom of God. That's possible for each and every one of us. It won't be that dramatic for all of us because it doesn't have to be, but it's possible for all of us to tap into the supernatural kingdom of God, receive our identity as the children of God, and then live in the power of God in the world. And as we do that, um, it's not only we that will experience that power, but all of those around us will be touched by that power uh, as well. Um, so that's our podcast for you today. Uh, thank you so much for listening. Thank you for supporting. 
as I said earlier, uh, please leave your questions and comments if you have any in the comments section. Uh, if you'd like to support us or maybe buy us some some lattes or some some you like Coca-Cola? I drink Diet Coke, but drink. I love Coca-Cola. Okay, if you want to buy Tyler a Diet Coke, uh, <laughs> you can uh, make a contribution on our page www.modernmagi.club C-L-U-B uh, forward slash podcast. Thank you guys so much for listening and we will speak to you next time. Peace and goodness. See you later, guys. Thank you.